Welcome to the Self Storage University Podcast, where you will learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self storage facilities. And now, here is your host, a partner in one of the largest real estate portfolios in the U.S. with nearly $1 billion of holdings, Frank Rolfe. Webster's Dictionary defines assumption as the action of taking on power or responsibility. But in the self-storage world, it's all about debt. This is Frank Roth, the Self Storage University podcast. We're talking about debt assumption. Now, what the heck is debt assumption? Well, basically what it means is you step into the shoes of the existing borrower, the existing owner of the self-storage facility. You basically take their lender and make their lender your lender. So how does that work and when is that important? Well, let's first start off when you're looking at buying that storage facility. And let's assume that that person has a bank loan on it. Now, you're thinking, well, I'm going to buy it from this guy and I'm going to go out and get a new bank loan. But what better candidate for that bank loan than the bank that already has the property and already has a loan on it? Now, why would they be so good? Well, they've already undergone the learning curve. They know all about that facility. They know where it's located at. They've probably already seen a phase one environmental. They've seen a survey. They've visited it many times. So you don't have to start from scratch with the lender and trying to explain to them all about the property. They already know most of the basics. On top of that, they've had a track record of success. Hopefully they have. Hopefully the borrower's been paying every month like clockwork. And so over time, they've come to respect that that property can create sufficient enough cash flow to pay the bills. So as a result, that bank, probably more than any other bank in America at that moment, would be your number one most likely candidate to make that loan. And remember, if you buy that facility and pay off that bank loan, all of that time they spent learning all about it, it's all lost. It's no longer an active loan. And they're going to have to go out and get a new loan to replace that loan. And who knows if that new property will be as good as the one that they already had the loan on. It's scary when you're a banker trying to make loans. You cannot really afford to have any default. The way banks work, they make money off of giving loans, right? That's how they make it, that spread between the loan interest rate and what they pay the the person who puts the deposits in the bank. But they still don't have a lot of room for error. They can't really afford to make a lot of mistakes as a banker. You won't last long in your career. So all the time, they're trying to play it safe. They like things that are known commodities. There's no more known commodity in the world of storage to them than the property they've already had the loan on. So don't think you can't go to the existing bank and simply try and re-up the loan. Now, how will that work? Well, I'm sure you're probably going to be paying more than the person that you're assuming the loan from paid. That would make complete sense. They're probably going to want to make a profit. They probably have raised the revenue. They've raised the rents or increased the occupancy over time. But that doesn't mean the bank won't make another new loan that even more money. As long as the property meets the appraisal, the bank shouldn't have a problem with doing that, that function. So don't be shy in asking the bank, hey, bank, I'm looking at buying this thing. Would you want to carry the loan on that? Just because it's higher, that's not necessarily going to scare them off. But they're such a natural player for it. When we've done assumptions over the years, we find the banks are actually appreciative of you going to them because it saves them from the pain and suffering of going out there trying to find a new loan. So the first stop, if you're buying a storage facility for someone who has a bank loan, is talk to that bank. See if they would want to make the loan. 
Now, let's assume there's not a bank involved in the deal. Let's assume it's just mom and pop. They sold the property and they carried back a loan on the property. It's the same story. Mom and pop is getting a great interest rate on that debt, far, far higher than anything they can make in any other channels down at the old stock brokerage. What does a CD pay today? Well, not much. Maybe one point if you're lucky, half a point more typically. What are they making an interest on their loan that they're carrying? Oh, I don't know. It could be four, five percent, maybe even more. That means every year, if you're getting five percent versus a CD at half a percent, you're getting 10 times more in interest than you would conventionally. And don't forget that mom and pop know that property better than anybody. They built it in all likelihood, or if not, if they didn't buy it, they've owned it for a long time. And they've got a first lien on that property. If you default, they get that property back. And they can either then just operate it or they can resell it again. That's a lot more valuable than having some just paper document from John Deere's junk bond department. So again, the mom and pop who formerly were the seller, they don't really want to give up that loan. And many, many people in their loan documents on those seller financings, they have the ability to have you assume that loan. So if there's an assumable loan on that with mom and pop, that's definitely going to be your best means probably of getting a loan on that property. Now, can you increase the amount though? A little harder. Because while the bank is in the lending business, mom and pop really are not. So if you try to increase the amount of debt, if you try to pay a significantly higher amount than what that loan was, you might have to do it through the form of a second lien, leaving the seller's first lien in position and getting a second lien to bridge the gap between your down payment and the total price of the deal. But if you can work a deal using the assumption of that seller note, that's typically a very, very good idea. Now let's move on to another variety, which is the conduit loan, also known as the CMBS, Commercial Mortgage Backed Security. How does that assumption process work? Well, the answer is very, very difficultly. Here's the deal. What a conduit loan is, is it's a loan that originates typically from a bank, but doesn't have to be a bank. And then the loans of it and many other properties are grouped together in a bag and basically sold on Wall Street to the American public at a certain yield. And when you go from the loan product to where they're gathered and bundled and sold, the act of doing that is called a conduit or a commercial mortgage-backed security. And that is no longer in the form of a bank loan exactly. Instead, at that point on, it is serviced by what are called loan servicers. Very different than bank officers who originate the loans. The servicer typically does not originate the loan at all. They simply manage the loan. They collect in the payments, they disperse the payments, and they also oversee the property. There's typically an annual inspection, things like that. Now, here's the problem when you have a conduit assumption of a loan. That servicer did not originally bless the deal, so they do not have their neck stuck out whatsoever because no one can criticize them if the loan goes bad because they never said, hey, let's make this loan. All they do is just service the loan that's already been made. When you ask a conduit group to bless the assumption of a conduit loan, now you're putting them into predicament because now they have skin in the game. If that loan should fail, they know they'll be criticized because they're the ones that said, okay, it's okay we, that we can go ahead and do this loan transaction. 
Yet at the same time, perhaps it wasn't the best of ideas. And if that fails, then guess who will be blamed? That's right, the servicer who going into the transaction has absolutely no responsibility to the loan at all. So to get around that hurdle in the servicing world, typically they want three different people to bless the assumption. There's a regular servicer. There's another servicer called the master servicer. And yet another one called the special servicer. And they all three have to do it independently without talking to each other. This is considered a safeguard for the investors to make sure that nothing happens to that loan and to their payments. But personally, I think it also gives them each the ability to make the loan with a little more comfort that they're not personally responsible for it being approved. If it ever went bad, they could say the other two guys screwed up. So, but that's how it works. Now, because of this, an assumption on a conduit loan can take a really long time. On the bank loan, it doesn't take that long, really. Seller loan doesn't take that long either. But we've had conduit loans that have taken almost up to a year to get the assumption worked out. That's a long time. It's really hard to get any seller to stay in position and continue on with that deal if, in fact, they have to wait around a year for you to be approved. Now, why would they even do that? Why would somebody even agree to letting a year pass before you can close on the deal? Well, here's why. When you have a conduit loan and you try and prepay that conduit loan, you pay a horrible penalty called defeasance. So if you've never looked up defeasance, look that up on on the computer. There's even a website you can go to called defeasewithease.com, and you can enter all the numbers of the loan. It will tell you what the penalty will be, but they can be substantial. I've seen defeasance penalties as much as a third of the entire value of the loan. You can imagine if you have a million dollar loan, how horrifying it would be to have to pay 300000 as an early payment penalty. However, if you assume the mortgage, there's no such penalty. Now, another problem you have with assumption, which needs to be pointed out, they can't resize the loan. They're not a bank. So if you're going to be paying more than that person, than that borrower pay for the property, you're going to, have to pay a bigger down payment because you're not going to be able to increase not even $1 the amount of that existing loan. And a lot of buyers, they don't want to go ahead and have to put it up in the form of cash to where maybe they're at 50% down payment. So that's another issue when you try and have assumptions of conduit debt. But nevertheless, the very fact that that conduit loan can be assumed, it definitely needs to be on your list of possibilities on that property. Not that you necessarily will go that route, but you need to learn all of the ins and outs and terms of how that loan would work. The bottom line to it all, the best source on any loan, on any storage property, is what's already in position. First step you should have as a buyer when looking at a property is to find out who is the current lender because they might very well be the best lending source for you. This is Frank Roth, the Self Storage University podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Self Storage University podcast. Be sure to visit us at ssupodcast.com where you can learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self-storage facilities.